and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Well, as we get started this morning, um, I probably for a couple months had been sensing a stirring in my heart uh, and just sensing that it was time for a fresh uh, shake up a little bit or a fresh view, a fresh heart uh, about place of giving for, for Jackie and I. And I didn't really know what to do with it. I hadn't really taken a bunch of steps, but I just was sensing it. I was like, you know how it is with your, whether it's your time with the Lord or whether it's discipleship you do or going to life group, just sometimes you just got to change things up and you realize eh, it's not what it was a couple months ago or et cetera. And I was just in one of those places. And a few weeks ago, Jamie called and just was asking me to speak. He was like, do you have any idea what you want to share? And I was like, actually, yes. And thankfully, uh, this little time of getting to study for this and to pray for this uh, has produced great joy uh, in my heart because today I want to share with you about the grace of giving. And the reason I want to share this is because it is absolutely one of my favorite things in the world to talk about. And the reason it's one of the favorite things is because Jackie and I have met Jesus in, by, through the grace of giving. We've met him through hardship of finances, but we have literally encountered God and he transformed us and has met us over and over and over. And it's just like, I haven't always understood it all. We haven't done it right all the time. We've, it's not because we've had a lot. It's often because we've had little but it's just we have encountered the presence of Jesus in this discipline. And so I just want to share with you today what I'm seeing, and I hope that it will be encouraging to you. Also, when I, when I spend any time studying on this or reading about it, I always get a lot encouraged. I get a little bit convicted. Uh, and part of it was because it strengthened Jackie and I's marriage by walking together in the place of finances, learning to give together, learning to trust God in these places. It has knit our hearts together and stronger, and it's encouraged us that we have actually learned to hear God. It's one of the areas is in the place of finances. But it's also has given us great purpose as business owners to remain intentional with our resources. And so that has been important to us as we give personally, but we've also have chosen to give from our business as much as we can. And so we've had to learn about that along the way. But a couple little things before I get started is first, I want to acknowledge that there are a lot of different ways to be generous, okay? And we're, we're all actively involved in it, whether it's, uh, whether we're sitting with a friend at the hospital or whether we're hosting life group uh, whether we're doing discipleship or maybe a mom's babysitting for another mom and taking care of kids, those are all extremely generous, loving things that we celebrate, and it's just part of who we are. But today, I want to really talk about and focus on the gener generosity with finances. Secondly, I want to say that whether you find yourself currently in a season where you have an abundance or whether you have plenty or whether you happen to be in a situation where you're actually 
need to be on the receiving end of generosity. I want to encourage you. I promise you, God will have something for you today in this word. Okay? And so, because my heart really, I just want to share with us the, the beauty and the power of generosity when we see it through the lens of Jesus. So, whether you have a bunch or whether you don't have a lot, my heart is that today's word would be good news for your soul. And so we talk about these things because just believing in Christianity doesn't automatically change our life. What I mean is that there are times where you may believe that God loves you, but there's also times where you feel discouraged. And some days it's hard to like look back and really see how my life has been transformed by God. And so how do we really experience change? What is, what is the process? Well, in the kingdom, there's two primary ways. The first one is to have an encounter with the living God, to literally connect with Jesus, experience his love, know his forgiveness, have his kindness poured out over you, and that is how we come in from, from darkness to light. That's one of the ways we have, that's a radical transformation, and may that happen for every one of us in the room. But the other way that we or change is by giving ourselves to Christian practices. We would call those spiritual disciplines. And so, in saying that, what, what's the big deal about money? What's the big deal about giving? Why does God talk about generosity so much? Well, Ben, I appreciate you asking that question today. Well, you teed me right up. I appreciate that. Because if we want to experience the life of Jesus, then we've got to adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And so I want to talk about one of those practices today that hopefully will instill belief in our heart that will lead to, to re the real transformation that we're all longing for. But Jesus actually spoke to this very topic, to this question in Luke chapter 11. Now, this is not our text for today, but I want to share this just to kind of set us up. It says in Luke chapter 11, in the message, it says that Jesus went to dinner at one of the Pharisees' house. And apparently when he got there, he sat down without properly washing. And so the text says that the Pharisees were murmuring about Jesus. The nerve of that guy. I don't know if that's what they said, but that's what it sounds like in my head. And so they're sitting there talking. They're probably down the hall a little bit. And in classic Jesus fashion, he knows exactly what's going on in the room. And so Jesus is sitting there at the table and he's noticing the utensils. He's seeing the cups that are sitting out. And he goes, yeah, I noticed you guys spent a lot of time shining up all the utensils. The cups are actually glistening today. You got the outside of everything taken care of, but on the inside of your heart, you're full of greed. <whistles> Off to a good start here. And then he says, be generous, especially to the poor, because then you'll have your lives cleaned. You'll live clean lives interesting statement there, Jesus. But he's not done. He says, in fact, I see that you guys meticulously tithe. 
but you're always looking for a loophole to love Jesus. You're always looking for a way to not have to love the living God. And it's at that point, one of the Pharisees says, you realize you're insulting us. And Jesus just mic drop moment, just plows right through the stop sign. And he looks at these guys and he goes, yeah, I see all you guys are really pretty well to do here. And it'd be nice if you had used your education, if you were using your influence to find the truth. And not only are you not finding the truth, you're trying to keep everybody else from finding the truth. And it says at that point, the Pharisees began plotting to kill Jesus. Sounds like a delightful dinner party. And so a couple chapters later, we're over in Luke chapter 18. Jesus obviously has the Pharisees on his mind. And he tells a story, tells a parable. And he says, you know, there was a Pharisee. He was out in public praying. And he prayed a prayer like this. And he said, you know, I thank you that I'm not like this undisciplined unspiritual tax collector over here. And you know how I know? Because I tithe regularly. I fast twice a week. And then he says the tax collector prayed a prayer and he said, I cannot measure up to this guy. I could never do what this guy over here is doing. And he says, in fact, would you just have mercy on me, Lord? That's what I need. And then Jesus says, one of these men went home right with God that night. And I don't think it was the guy that was tithing with all kinds of pride. So what's Jesus trying to say here? He's trying to say, it's about the money, but it's not about the money. He's saying here, that he is a, he's a spiritual doctor. He's diagnosing an issue by observing the symptoms. And what he's trying to show us is that genero- generosity is what reveals the condition of our heart. He's saying that our generosity, our giving, it mirrors the depth of our love. And it's really one of the things I would like to help us see this morning is that as soon as our giving ceases to be an act of worship, it's time for us to just stop and step back because generosity is the fruit of affection. And so Jesus goes in here and uses the Pharisees. He uses their pride and their transactional giving to expose their heart. He exposes their heart showing that it's void of love. But on the other hand, we got another extreme where Paul over in 2 Corinthians 8 starts telling us a story about the Macedonian church. The Macedonian church, this is a poverty-stricken church. They have nothing. They are just trying to make it. But yet they are pleading with Paul, please let us be in on the support. Please don't cut us off from giving. We don't have much, but please, please give us the honor of participating. 
It's like, how, how does this happen? Why would someone be thinking that? Why would someone be responding like that? Well, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 7 and your devices. If you would, let's stand for the reading of God's word. It says now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves, first of all, to the Lord, and then by the will of God, also to us. And so we urged Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see to it that you also excel in the grace of giving. This is the word of God. I love this story because Jack and I learned about the grace of giving through hardship. See, we got married and we were in love, love, love. Been married 36 wonderful years. But we got, we got love, we got married. There we go, better. Uh, we got loved. I suppose we did. We got married in love, but we were broke. So we had rent to pay. We had two car payments. We had utilities to pay. And we were making like five, $600 between the two of us. Don't mean to brag, <laughs> but it was just rough. And so what was happening was just Every week, we, we paid our bills every week, and just every week, there was just never enough to, to pay the bills. And so we did what any responsible broke couple would do, is we went and got some credit cards. And in about two years, we were $20,000 in debt with that amazing income. And so if you do the math there, and you do it and carry this out, you're not going to make it. You have no choice, you have no chance to actually pay this debt off. And so I just remember sitting there one morning at the breakfast table at the time I was paying the bills and one Saturday morning I've got all the bills on the table and just as usual, just anxiety and going, there's not enough to do this. Just who's gonna get paid? Who's not gonna get paid? And actually I've been praying for a couple months, was like, Lord, just help us. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to change this. How are we gonna make it? And one morning, I heard the Lord just as clear as I've ever heard him in my heart say, give your way out. And I was like, okay. I knew it was the Lord because it's not something I would have suggested. <laughs> and so, but I heard it and I was like, yeah, yeah, this sounds, uh, and I was like, I knew exactly what God was saying to me in this moment. He was showing me two things. One was that 
you guys got to start tithing. You got to start putting me first in your finances. The second thing I knew it meant was that we were going to have to live sacrificially. And so we began, you know, trying this, attempting this, uh, putting one foot in front of the next. And <clears throat> we would get the bills paid. Uh, but what we went from was writing our tithe check first every week, and then we would decide who gets paid after that. There were weeks where we were like, we don't have enough for the electric bill. So we're going to have to pray by faith that, we, that the electricity doesn't get cut off. But we are going to put God first in this place. It, yes, it challenged us to the nth degree to do this and stay committed in this. There were many weeks where we would pay our tithe, pay the bills that we had, many weeks that we would have 25 or $30 left over for groceries for the entire week. So I would go to the discount grocery store with 25 bucks and a calculator. We didn't have phones back then, so I had to walk in there just with a you know, calculator about the size of a laptop. But I was like, we've got to maximize this $25, $30. Now, one of the, one of the things that carried us along the way was Hamburger Helper. <laughs> Good thing about Hamburger Helper, there's a, plenty of hamburger, it's just not much helper. <laughs> but this is the stuff we were eating back then because we're like, this is all we can afford right now in order to stay faithful to God in this place because we need God to transform our lives in this place. I still don't entirely know how he did it, but I can tell you by us doing this and getting our life and our finances in order in about two years, we had completely paid off the $20,000. We felt like the shackles had been broken off of us. And I just, again, I, I couldn't put all the dots together exactly how it happened. But we had learned the goodness of God by more fully giving ourselves to the reign of God. That's, that was my takeaway from it. And it was like Proverbs 3, 5 just became a reality to us that we had learned to trust the Lord with all our heart. We had stopped trying to lean on our own understanding. The best we knew how, we were acknowledging him in all our ways. And what he did was make the crooked path straight. He brought forgiveness to us for the choices we had made. He had brought life. He had breathed hope on us. And just by bowing the knee and doing what God was leading us to do, he's like, that's all I need you to do. I will redeem the rest for you. And this is, this is when Jackie and I just were like, we're going to live like this the rest of our lives. We did not do it perfectly. We had a couple more bumps in the road financially along the way as we were still trying to work it out, but we were like, this is the direction we're going. And so let me give you three quick little points here on just us growing together uh, in the grace of giving. Number one, recognize the gift. We want to recognize the gift that we've been given. Amen. You know, I loved uh, last week, our brother Chris Guild was leading communion for us. And Chris referenced uh, John 4, I think it was, about the woman at the well. And the woman at the well is talking to Jesus, and she's like, why are you asking me for water? Of all people, why me? And Jesus looks at her, and he says, oh, 
if you only knew the gift that God was trying to give you right now. He's a giver. He's always giving. He's always thinking about us. He's always wanting to be generous towards us. And I know sometimes we may think that, man, I work hard. Like, it's, I kind of deserve what I've got. And we do. We, every, everybody works hard. I know, I know that. I work hard. But it's just, thankfully, you and I weren't born to some European peasant family in the 12th century. Thankfully, we weren't born on a rice paddy in Asia in the 15th century. Because if we were, we could be working just as hard as we are right now, maybe even harder and have very little to show for it. And my only point in saying that is just be thankful that we live in today's times. It's the grace of God that we are where we at we are at. It's the grace of God that we have the educations and the talents and the, uh, the, the ability to do the things we, we do. And that's why it's so powerful for us to offer those gifts back to God, those talents, those, those, those things God has built into us and continue honor and worshiping him uh, for, the, for the way he has met us. And we all, we all know the scripture in 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11 where it talks about he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now, sometimes this is where people misinterpret this scripture and think that, well, that means that the more money I give, the more money I ought to be getting back. And what Paul is actually... He is, this is not what Paul is saying. Not only is he not saying that, what he is saying is something so much more profound, so much deeper, so much more beautiful. Because he actually answers this question. Because the metaphor in this chapter, it doesn't work if you think about it. If, if we just give seeds, if we give seeds, and then we just get more seeds back. Well, that's not what I'm looking for. It's not what you're looking for. If you have a garden, if you have a plant out there, you're not going to plant a seed and just hope you get a bunch of more seeds back. That'll preach right there. <laughs> and so when we sow money, what do we get back? Paul answers this question down in verse 10. Where he says, now he supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Whoa, okay, so what does that mean exactly? So in this instance where Paul is talking, the word righteousness doesn't mean like moral justice or goodness. What Paul is doing, he's taking the Old Testament meaning of the word righteousness. And that word in the Old Testament means, translates, covenant relationship. And you think about this, in the covenant are all the promises of God. And so what Paul is saying is that when you are generous... You will, you will receive, you will experience an increase of the promises in your life. It's rich. 
Paul is saying that when we give, not only are people going to give thanks to God, but you're going to see your relationships made right. You're going to see poverty impacted through your generosity. You're going to see conflicts resolved. You're going to see marriages strengthened. You're going to see family situations made right again. This is what happens when we give and are generous. God is saying to us, he's like, I might bring provision for you, but I'm really wanting to do a whole lot more than that. Are you okay if I do way more than that? Which is why we, number two, want to worship the gift giver. You see, Jesus is the richest man that ever lived. I mean, it's not even close. Warren Buffett, Elon Musk, the Basses here in Fort Worth, thankful for the Basses, Jeff Bezos. I mean, could you imagine if they're all at a dinner party with Jesus? One guy's like, I own the empire of Amazon. Jesus is like, I own the planet you live on and the moon and all the other planets and the entire solar system. But seriously, he's the richest man in the world and he became one of the poorest to come after you and me. Has anything more been given? Has anyone been more generous than he has. And what Jesus is trying to show us is that generosity, worship is the place where generosity flows. It's really not as much about where we're giving to. It's much more important, important where we're giving from. Because if we get it right up here, the rest of it doesn't matter as much. No one's going to be talking about the amount, what percentage ought to be given. The Macedonian people, no one was saying, what's the amount we got to give in order to comply? They were just like, please, please let us be involved. I don't know what we're going to give, but we want in. We just want in. Why? Because they had been transformed by God. They had been given life and hope and a way, and they were just like, we want to give like he's given to us. The Pharisees, they weren't worshiping God. And so they were giving out of duty. And Jesus says to them, he says, if that's your heart, even though you're tithing, you're missing the entire thing that I have set up. You're missing the, the harvest of righteousness that I'm longing to give. Because God wants our giving to be about relationship. He wants it to be about love. That's why it says he loves the cheerful givers. So what does that look like for us? We're reminded of this when we step back into the scene where Mary Magdalene is, and she is pouring out an extravagant, she's extravagantly pouring out her love on Jesus. No, no barriers, just giving it all to Jesus. And I'm not saying Jesus is calling all of us to do that. I think one person, the rich young ruler, he asked to give it all. 
He's not, give, he's not asking everybody to give it all, but he is asking us to honor him with 100%. Whatever we do with it, submit it to the king. But this is a beautiful scene where Mary is unleashing her worship on, on Jesus in this moment. Of course, there's people in the room going, ah, it doesn't seem like a good stewardship decision to me. And Jesus is like, don't you dare stop her from what she's doing right now. This is a beautiful sacrifice. It's a beautiful fragrance of offering and honoring Jesus. <clears throat> and finally, we want to rejoice with generosity. You know, Jack and I, like many of you, we've had, we have many opportunities to give to various causes and ministries and all those things, and we love doing those things. Our first priority is to the church, and it will always be the church. Because the church, number one, has changed our lives. We have been transformed by giving ourselves to community. It's all, Jesus says this, the church is his bride and it's what he's coming back for. So I wanna be sowing. I wanna be building up. I wanna help the church be as healthy as I possibly can. And I know that my money matters at one level. And if, that's, if I can give that to help bring life, to help fuel ministry, to help, uh, help uh, people that have given their lives to full-time ministry and they have made the sacrifice to do that, I am all in about, about supporting that and supporting those people. But it is the church that we get great honor, great joy in, in giving to because it's, it's God's plan for distributing his message to the world. And I just want to be a part of that. There's other ways to do it too, but I just, the church is, is first for us. You know, a couple years ago, uh, our entire church engaged in a discipleship and generosity initiative called the Nathan Initiative. And I know many of you weren't here at the time, but this was through 2020 and 2021. It's a two-year initiative. And so we spent, the elders and leadership team spent like all of 2019 getting ready, planning, leading up to this, casting vision and all those things. But the way we, uh, and this initiative was to finish building the headquarters here that we literally all sit in this room right now because we used to meet in a little small auditorium over there where the kids' space is and we were needing more room. The Lord had given us a word years ago about a headquarters in Fort Worth and so we felt sure we were, or felt confident in the Lord that we were, that it was time to do this. As any big project, it was gonna require millions of dollars to do it and so we're like, Lord, I don't know how you're gonna do it, but we're gonna give and be the church together and see if you won't make this happen. So we had all of 2019, I'm, I'm, Jackie and I are knowing this is coming, that uh, we were gonna do this through pledges. And so everyone was gonna fill out a card, do a two-year pledge card as far as what you were able to give. This was a little bit challenging for us because uh, in our business, our income is very cyclical. We have good years, we have you know, drier years. And so it's hard for us to know in our particular business just what our income is gonna be 12 months, much less 24 months from now. And so there was some tension in it for us trying to figure out, oh, what do, what do, we, what do we commit to? And we had gotten down to like 
three days before the pledge cards are due. And I'm like, man, I'm one of the elders here. I ought to have this figured out by now. But I didn't. And so a couple days leading into it, you know, we're, we're, we're just going, we're feeling anxious. Like, what are we going to do? What are you going to write down? But part of it was we didn't want to write down a number that, that we, couldn't, we, we couldn't fulfill. So we're like, we've got to hear you, Lord, speaking. We've got to have a word from God on this. So I just remember, I said, I've got to, I'm just going to go up to the room, to this room by myself. It was uh, a dusty concrete floor. It's cinder block walls. There's no power. There's no light, certainly no air conditioners. I mean, it's like a old storage dungeon <laughs> was what this place looked like. But I said, I've got to go up there. And it was just the thing I felt drawn to do to try to meet God. And so I came up here, I brought my Bluetooth speaker and I sat right over there about where Graydon's at just, and I was just turning the worship music on and I was like, Lord, <laughs> I got two days, like, please speak to me. I need to know, you know, what you're saying is we want to be in, involved, but we also wanted to be faithful. And so we're just like, speak to us. After a while, I felt like the Lord gave us a number and honestly, I just kind of laughed incredulously, like, yeah, right. Like, this would be a miracle to do in one of our high seasons, much less in one of our low seasons. And I was like, Lord, like this, we're gonna be so embarrassed when we can't walk this out. Like, do we, please. And I was like, Lord, are you sure this is the number? Because I like, I'm fixing to go home and tell Jackie. Jackie's going to be, go back up there and pray some more. <laughs> and so, but I'm asking the Lord, I'm like, Lord, are you sure this is the number? And I hear the Lord say, yes, and I'll do even more. I was like, oh my, just like, this is so over the top. I don't even know what to do, but I don't have another number to write down. So I guess I'm going to write this one down. So I went home and told Jackie, and she's like, oh, buddy, okay. We got work to do. And it, yes, th those two years, it required us to be very diligent, very intentional. I, had a, I was driving a truck that had almost 300,000 miles on it. We had intended to replace it. We put that off for a while because we're like, we've got to focus on what God's calling us to right now. We were halfway through it, and... I think we were like 30% the way there at halfway through the thing. So we're like, oh boy, we've got a lot of work to do. You know, the church kept sending us those uh, reminder messages like, don't forget what you said. I'm like, I'm well aware of it. But again, that was like the second year we were like, okay, we've got to like hit the accelerator on this. And it just required us to be even more sacrificial just to go, all right, we've, we're going to do this and we're going to do it with joy. We, we, we were, we're literally, we were happy to do it. And God got us there. And not only did he allow us in his mercy to fulfill our commitment, he did way more. And honestly, I was so, we were so undone. We were just so humbled. We're like, God, this is so beyond our ability. This is, we could have never done this. We would not have written this number down if it was up to us. 
but you gave us a number and then you took responsibility for it. As we gave ourselves to Jesus and let him breathe his life through us, I can't tell you the joy of getting to see this type of generosity flowing through us into our church. I'm not saying it was a lot of money to give. I'm saying it was a lot for us. But there was joy in it. It was just, Lord, what are you doing in the rest of the church? What are the other people doing? What kind of sacrifices are they making? What kind of God encounters are they having during this time? It was one of the sweetest times our church has ever been through. It was a very... Uh, it was a disciplined time for us as a church, but the harvest that came out of it in our hearts as a people, as we gave ourselves to God and were given for others, it changed us. It transformed us. It took us another, another level into God's grace and love. And really, I just want to encourage us that get a vision for the, what the harvest of your giving can be but we've got to see it through the lens of Jesus because you and I can't do that much. But Jesus can once we come under him and just say, it's yours. You, you do what you want with me in this season. I'll close with this. There's a well-known scripture in Malachi 3. It says in there, God is talking and God says, will a mere mortal rob me? And then he says, but you ask, how, how are we robbing you? God says, you're robbing me with tithes and offerings. Now, stay with me. And then he goes on down in verse 10, and he says, if you'll just bring the whole tithe to the storehouse, test me on this, and see if I will not pour out so much blessing you don't have room to store it. Now, think about this with me for just a second. Do you think the richest man in the world is saying, give me the money that's mine. That's my 10%. I need some money. Give me some money. I need more money. You people are robbing me. Do we think that's what God is saying? No, what God is saying is bring it in and don't rob me of getting to bless my children. God's saying, bring the whole tithe in, but don't rob me of the joy I get of pouring out blessing on my kids. He's just saying, I've got so much over here for you. Just trust me. Just, just trust me. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to give this to you. And the great thing is, is there's some days more money is not what we actually need. Sometimes I need my brokenness fixed. Sometimes we need healing. Sometimes we need hope. Sometimes we need restoration. Sometimes we need provision, but it's not all the time. And God's saying, just let me give you what you need, but you just got to trust me. Just trust me. There's so much power in this because when we bring these tithes and offerings to God, what we're saying is that this will not be my idol. I will lay it down and I trust the living God. You, have, you are the one that has helped me earn this money. And so I, with joy, with delight, with honor, we bring the holy offerings to God and say, Lord, it's yours. I could have never done it without you. 
I could have never been smart enough to make this money uh, apart from you, God. So I delightfully bring it to you. Do what you want to. Build your church. Encourage your people. And God's like, it's on. It is on. We're going to do that now. So I just want to encourage us. He's the most giving, generous God there ever was. And as Jamie tells us so many times, we just see it through our broken filter too many times. But God's trying to help us see today and in this season. He's trying to help Jack and I see again. Remember how this works. Because generosity rises from the heart, not the wallet. And that's what Jesus was talking about with the Pharisees. You guys are doing all the, you're getting all your ducks in a row and you just, you're missing what I'm about. And that's what I love about this. It's not about money. It's about money, but it's not about money. It's about love, honor, worship, lordship, trust. So may that be who we are as the people of God. And my heart for us, guys, is just that our giving would never be a duty, never be a chore for us, and that we would always see everything we have as a gift. Amen. Let's be standing. We can have our worship team, prayer teams, come on down. We do this every Sunday. We take some time to pray, encourage. And so we want to invite you this morning, if you sense God speaking to you, or if you're just needing prayer in general, I want to invite you to come. I know some of you may be sensing the Lord speaking to you this morning about getting your finances in order. Maybe you're seeing the gift in a fresh way uh, this morning, and maybe you've been saying, yeah, I've given sporadically every now and then, but man, I want to I wanna, I wanna be tithing. I, I want to be giving regularly. I want to be stepping into this thing that you're talking about this morning, Todd. Some of you may have been giving already, but maybe kind of like Jackie and I, it just it turned into a little bit of a duty, a little bit of a chore recently. Maybe auto-draft has become autopilot. But this morning, you're, maybe you're ready to begin giving regularly and, and give from a place of joy, to give from a place of worship this morning and step in to that covenant relationship that Paul is talking to us about. Others of you may be sensing, like Mary, that you want to lavish your love extravagantly on the Lord. Maybe he's been moving on your heart here recently or there's been opportunities you've been thinking about and there's an opportunity for that. If you need healing, if, you, if you're discouraged this morning, if you need hope, you need somebody to agree with you this morning, we want to invite you to come and we want to take some time to pray with you as we worship together this morning.